Hi, I'm Sophia Paris, and this is the Alternative Zero Project. For this episode, I'm talking to Hideki Yoshikawa, who was nice enough to take a call all the way from Okinawa. How are you doing, Hideki? Very good. Thank you. Good. Um, so, Hideki, I'm really excited to talk to you because as I've been conducting more and more interviews, which revolve around the U.S. Navy's plans to create training ranges in the Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands, we found that there's actually a chain of events that has led the CNMI to be in this position. So the reason that the U.S. Navy and the Department of Defense wants to create training ranges on Tinian and Pagan is because there's a military buildup happening on Guam. And the reason that buildup is happening is because the U.S. Navy is moving originally 8,000, but now 5,000 troops from Okinawa to Guam. And the reason they're doing that is because of the need to mitigate some serious uh, diplomatic issues that are happening in Okinawa, some longstanding tensions that have grown between the native Okinawans and uh, the Marines that are based in Okinawa. So I was hoping that as the director of the Okinawa Environmental Justice Project and an outspoken critic of the U.S. military's presence on Okinawa, you could help our listeners better understand the conflict that's been playing out on Okinawa for decades now. Right. Yes, we have so much uh, tension between the uh, local people in Okinawa and the U.S. military, which occupies the Okinawa, actually. Um, because I think after the World War II, U.S. came to Okinawa and took over our land and converted into U.S. military bases. And then they've been staying here for a very, very long time. And when you look at the uh, situations of Okinawa, that is the landmass of uh, Okinawa, uh, islands only consist of 0.6% of the entire Japanese land, but 70% of U.S. militaries in Japan is concentrated in Okinawa. So that's, wow. we, we see this as a huge discriminated proportion uh, mm-hmm. of the, uh, the burden, actually, uh, that we had to bear. And so that's, that's the, I think, the root cause of this tension between the local people of Okinawa and the U.S. military is that we see the situation as it's discriminatory and uh, just uh, overwhelming burden that we have to bear in the names of the U.S. and Japan uh, security relationship or alliance. Right. And can you explain the way that the U.S. military's presence on Okinawa is a detriment to the local people? Yes, um, there, are, there are many ways that the presence of the U.S. military bases um, has been detriment to the local people's lives. Uh, first of all, I think we have uh, like many um, very unfortunate incidents and accidents that involved in the U.S. military people, personnel, and the local people. Just like two years ago, we had a rape and the mother of our local women by the former U.S. military employee. So that was, again, very sad situations. And these things occurs over and over again. Then our... You know, Hideki, I, I actually, I have, um, I have some crime stats, if you're interested. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, here, I just found them. Um, it says, between 1972 and 2009... U.S. servicemen committed 5,634 criminal offenses, including 25 murders, 385 burglaries, 25 arsons, 127 rapes, 306 assaults, and 2,827 thefts in Okinawa. Yet, 
per Marine Corps installation Pacific data, U.S. service members are convicted of far fewer crimes than local Okinawans. Have you found that these criminals aren't always held accountable for their crimes? Yeah, it's been the case, actually. Yeah, they, they have not been re really held accountable, especially, I think, before the, uh, the reversion of Okinawa, which took place in 1972. I think the situation is getting better because the, I think U.S. military and the U.S. government and Japanese governments, they are really concerned now that the perceptions of the U.S. military bases is getting very negative. And just to clarify, the one of the triggering, because this, this situation has been going on since the 70s, or before even, since World War yeah, II. Before, but, yeah. but when the situation really started to come to a head, it was triggered by a particularly awful offense, right? This was in like the mid-90s. Three yeah. servicemen raped a 12-year-old Okinawan girl. Right, right. Can you tell me a little bit about the response among Native Okinawans to that particular event? Yes, uh, but the uh, rape incident, um, rape of a 12-year-old girl by three U.S. servicemen took place in 1995. Mm -hmm. I was not living in Okinawa at that time, but I was living in Thailand. Uh, doing my research, but I heard the news through internet and then the, by uh, my parents calling and uh, that was disheartening and uh, it was horrible. I mean, everyone so, was talking about it, right? It was global news. It was just yeah, so... Yeah, it was global news, yeah. And then that incident actually forced the Japanese government, the U.S. government to consider finally reductions of a U.S. military presence in Okinawa. So... Mm -hmm. It was a very sad situation, you know, when you think about, like, you need to have, like, a situation where you need to have such heinous crime happening to a just innocent local girl. Then the U.S. government and Japanese government think about reducing the presence of U.S. military bases. Right. Or, or even it has to become visible in, like, the global eye for them to react. Yeah. I'm sure it wasn't the first heinous act, you know? Right, right, yeah. Like there were well over 100 rapes. Right, right. Why is the Japanese government not responsive to the way Okinawans feel, do you think? I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> I would really want to know myself. <laughs> and many <laughs> Okinawans wanted to know, actually. I mean, that, that's that's the case, though, actually. Just because, you know, Okinawa is a cluster of islands far away from uh, Tokyo, which is like the capital of Japan and everything is there. Politics, economy, and the media. So everything happens in Okinawa is just something that's happening far away from everyday life of people in Tokyo or mainland Japan. So I think it would be just easy to keep U.S. military bases in Okinawa and uh, feel safe uh, for themselves. I mean that that was my just so. <laughs> so again, um, people talk about that. Japanese government is really discriminating against the uh, Okinawan people. And the fact that Okinawans have to bear so much burden of our U.S. military bases in our land itself is the form of a discrimination. So actually, I believe that we've been discriminated against in many ways, but being placed in these positions to bear the so much burden of U.S. military bases itself is a, it's a sad uh, form of uh, discrimination against us. Absolutely, and, and dangerous. In fact, I was looking up local news in Okinawa, and there was an article from Stars and Stripes, which is like a, a Navy news platform. Yeah. And uh, it was from December 14th, 
and it says a large caliber bullet that struck an Okinawan mango farmer's shed in June came from a Marine Corps firing range, Japanese officials announced this week. So yeah, yes. these firing ranges aren't totally contained. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it took, in my, my, uh, in my, my city, Nago City, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so like a uh, spray bullet, uh, it's, it's uh, actually happens, this kind of incident happens occasionally. And it shouldn't happen, you know, it should not be happening, this type of thing. There's also Osprey crashes, right? Yes, we had yeah, Osprey crashes. Um, actually, last week, actually, we had a second year anniversary of this um, Osprey crash that took place in, again in Nago City. That's where I, I live. I had a small gathering organized by the local uh, women's association in Abu community of Nago City. And that's where the Osprey crashed. And then, again, uh, we don't have uh, clear explanations from the U.S. military or Japanese government for the Osprey crash. And this spray bullets, this incident, uh, it took such a long time. I don't know how long, but it took such a long time for the U.S. military to admit that was their blood. It's mm. like... Who else used the bullet, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's just, just strange. And uh, I'm so frustrated with the, not only the with the U.S. military, but the uh, Japanese government, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not really doing their job, you know. It's like, why taking such a long time? And uh, what, what, what the Japanese government's doing? I don't know. So... Yeah, again, well, yeah, uh, because the discussions to move this base started after that rape in 1995, right? And here we are, it's about to be 2019, and that base that was in question is still open and it's still, still full of Marines, right? yeah, still pouring for operations. And uh, I have many friends living in Ginoa City, that's where the Tenma base uh, air station is located, and then the training is getting worse. So the noise, you know, uh, nighttime training, uh, people couldn't sleep well. And then I teach classes at the university in, you know, uh, near Ginoan City. And I uh, sometimes I have to stop the class because it's just the noise is so loud and I get frustrated. <laughs> you know, that this is probably as good a time as ever to just um, talk about your area of expertise. Um, you're a conservationist, yeah? Well, I'll say I'm an environmental, uh, environmentalist. I'm an environmental activist, yes. And so you, your opposition to the bases is grounded in just how detrimental they are to the local environment, right? Yes, but like, uh, you know, here the situation is so complicated. Everything is connected. So the, it's not only the environmental issues, but it's more issues of our rights to for the mm-hmm. safety. Safety, safe life, you know. So it's it's also human rights issues to me. Right, but, they're very closely tied together. Right, right. And then again, the this is small island. <laughs> we are, so it's it's How many uh, people live in Okinawa. Sure, yes, about uh, one point three million people live in this island, and the islands okay. of Okinawa prefectures. So the population-wise, it's I think it's quite good, quite big. But mm-hmm. the main island of Okinawa is about 100 kilometers long <laughs> by, uh, okay. and maybe 15 kilometers wide. So it's, it's not that big. And then 10% of the islands are occupied by U.S. military bases and uh, U.S. military training area. That's, that's a lot. Right. 
And one of the more current conflicts involved in this sort of larger issue is that instead of closing the Futenma base and then in so doing, reducing the number of Marines on Okinawa, the U.S. Navy and the Japanese government have decided to open a new base. That's right, and, yes. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the sure. threat yes. that that base poses? Sure. Um, after this uh, 1995 um, rape incident, um, then U.S. and Japanese government decided to reduce or, uh, or close some bases in Okinawa. Well, we, we were first welcomed the idea that many bases will be closed, at least some bases will be closed. So we Okinawans welcomed the idea. But then later, uh, we found out that in order for them to close Tenmar and other bases, they need to have an alternative basis within Okinawa. So that's a very ridiculous uh, proposal. Okay, mm -hmm. so... This area, Heronko Ora Bay, that's where the uh, new base is um, being built right now, is that it's, it's one of the most environmentally precious places, I think, in, not only in Okinawa, in Japan, but in the world. I'll give you this interesting figure. Um, in this Heronko Ora Bay, we have like 5,300 marine species living in that, that area, and the 262 species are endangered species. So there's 262 different endangered species living in yes. this bay. Yeah, it's uh, and as I said, it's got 5,300 marine species. Mm. So that's a lot. And uh, as a sort of reference uh, point of view, uh, as a reference, when you look at the uh, um, marine protection area in Hawaii, I think in 2016, uh, President Obama, uh, the, his administration created, I think at that time, their largest marine protected area in the world and in, in Hawaii. So it covers actually all the islands of Hawaii. Yeah. And in the area, I think the figure was they have like 7,000 to 8,000 uh, marine species. And that's across all the islands of Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. So but in marine species just in that bay that would be... Yeah, in that bay, yeah. So it's, 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 it's quite, you know, amazing and a biodiversity-rich area, for sure. And then we want to protect that area. We could yeah. use that area as sort of, you know, actual marine protected area, and uh, maybe we could develop the ecotourism. But uh, if the base is built, then no, no such things <laughs> will be possible. Would you mind giving me an example of an endangered species that lives in this bay? Sure, we have a, a like a different types of corals. That's uh, endangered species blue coral. That's uh, we have like one of the largest blue coral like in in Ora Bay, and also we have this uh, marine mammal, very rare marine mammal, called the dugong. That's uh, relative to the uh, mantis you have in the states. I am the uh, international director of the Save the Dugong Campaign Center. That's an environmental okay. NGO, yeah, uh, try to protect the dugongs in Okinawa and mm -hmm. try to stop the construction of U.S. military base in Henoko Ora Bay. So we've been, and go ahead. Oh, yeah, we've been fighting using the dugong as our, you know, sort of a, a symbol, you know, the rich environment of Okinawa, sort of flagship species. And, and you're not alone in this fight, right? I mean, isn't the new governor Okinawa is on your side, right? Yes, yes, yeah. He's... Uh, Denny uh, Tamaki. Denny Tamaki, yes, yes, Denny Tamaki. And uh, he's, he's on our side. And the previous governor, 
Governor Onaga, Takeshi Onaga, yeah, he, he fought very hard against the construction of base. Unfortunately, he passed away uh, in August this year, but just he was elected on the platform. He will stop the construction by using all his power, but he, he passed away. Now the torch is passed on to a new governor, Deni Tamaki, and we are very much excited. And then one thing on the same platform, right? Like he beat a guy that was basically supported by like Tokyo and who was not so overtly against the bases like Denny Tamaki. Like (laughs) that's right. Yeah. That guy. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So I I think, you know, in the Okinawan, uh, at least the Okinawan governor's elections, anyone who expressed that he will support the base construction of base, they'll lose. No, no governor in Okinawa ever won. Well, no one won uh, in the governor's elections on the platform that he will accept the construction military base. All the governors who won the elections, they yeah, land on the platform that he would stop the construction base. Of course, you know, some flip flop and then <laughs> they changed their positions after they got elected. So, I mean, it sounds like the entire population or at least the majority of the population is on the same page here. They pick representatives who agree with them. And yet construction just started on this base. So uh, yeah. so what can Okinawans do to keep this base from being built? Can they do anything? Uh, we, we can do uh, many, many things. So we're actually doing, trying to do many things. And uh, first mm-hmm. of all, I think I want you to know that Japanese government is trying very hard to portray this construction has crossed the point of no return because they they on 14th of december uh, this month they mm-hmm. start actually landfilling you know they 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 built uh sea walls then they they start actually dumping the uh, rock and soil into this uh, the area that's uh, surrounded by the sea walls but mm-hmm. it's, what they're doing right now is only uh, according to uh, civil engineers even if they can do this uh, this phase of um Landfilling that will just account four percent of entire landfilling, so it's still long, long process. Right, uh, they're they're nowhere near halfway done, right? No, it's not halfway, even not halfway. But the yeah. Japanese government, I think, if they would really want to sort of uh, say it's it's now it's you know it has crossed the point of no return, so the local people will you know, give up yeah. basically. Yeah, you, you should give up. <laughs> that that was <laughs> like they were trying to say. And they were also trying to show that people in the mainland Japan as well, and then also, to, I think, to the U.S. government and then people uh, around the world, that it's done deal because dumping of soil started. It seems like the Japanese government has been sort of less than transparent this entire process. For example, there's an article on December 12th in the Asahi Shimbun. It says here that the final tab for this base is 2.5 trillion yen, which is just over $22 million. And that is 10 times more than the initial estimate when they were yep. first considering making this base. Right. They're just sort of trying to like ram this thing through. That's right, and, yeah. And just say whatever they need to say to quell public opposition on Okinawa, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be true at least in their viewpoint. So I'm wondering, is it working or are people still willing to stand up against these bases? Yeah, I think uh, we are actually. Yeah, we are. We are willing to 
at least many of us actually the ones i know <laughs> mm-hmm. are actually yeah we are more angry angrier than before actually you mm-hmm. know that when the this um dumping of uh, rock and soil started on december 14th so there is some sort of regenerated enthusiasm about the protest <laughs> against this mm-hmm. construction we are really yeah we are really angry and then our governor Denny Tamaki i think he came to the the construction site on the day after i think 15th and mm-hmm. that sort of created very positive feelings among the protesters who are doing sealing uh, on the site and our governor our governor is very strong i think he's insisting that he will use many means that he has uh, at his disposal to stop it and what kind of means does he have at his disposal uh, yeah um see because this the japanese government has to make changes in the original plan because it's been found out that sea bottom on which the base will be built uh was very fragile so they have to change actually the construction plans or landfill plans so in order for to ch- make such change the japanese government get permission or approval from the our governor and the governor said that he will okay. he will refuse it yeah so so he's there's no way they're getting approval right no way but again, <laughs> this is the japanese government so they will just you know i'm ignored they'll they'll make all the exceptions <laughs> to their mm-hmm. rules so but, but still i mean there there are many ways so um there are like a technical issues as i said there are fragile uh, sea bottoms and uh, there's a uh, active um fault under underneath the construction site and then also as i said uh, very fragile uh like people you described or expert described as like a mayonnaise like sea bottom a mayonnaise like sea bottom yeah wow and the, these these things that japanese government actually they've been hiding this information oh they've known uh yeah they they they've known and they they doing the research after okay they completed uh, environmental impact assessment in 2012 um but they they kept doing drilling surveys on the sea bottom and then but the results were not released until recently i, th- I think this year or last year then what's revealed was that this sea bottom is like a mayonnaise like and this base would be doomed Well, I it think it fulfill its original purpose, <laughs> no? Technically, I mean you can you can, you know, uh just drilling a lot of piles to to uh, harden the sea bottom. You could do it. But it will take long time. <laughs> I just like, I don't understand, you know, like why why build a military base on a bunch of mayonnaise and dugons, you know? Like <laughs> I just yeah, see, why that, are they pushing it so hard? Yeah, that that's the things that I'm really I don't understand. You know this is like as I said um this the the number 5300 species and 262 endangered species in Hanokoura Bay this these numbers actually came from the environmental impact assessment conducted by the Japanese government Yeah you know I actually just had a conversation about this with a friend of mine a veteran named Art Deoro and we were talking about how the US military um i mean this wouldn't be the first time that they're involved in a plan that doesn't even seem to meet their own stated purpose which would be yeah. national defense right? right right or the defense of uh, of US allies mm-hmm. you know to create a base on a fault line 
in a place where its construction would be extremely expensive and potentially uh, not even safe. That's mm. not in service of national defense. And mm. so when we're faced with these questions of like, with, why is this happening then? Why, why destroy all this stuff? I mean, it just seems like it has to come down to the money, right? Like someone must yeah. be making money off these bases. Yes. Yeah? yes. And uh, one thing that uh, I think we have to realize is that the, the cost of construction is paid by the Japanese government or Japanese taxpayers. The mm. U.S. government doesn't need to pay <laughs> for the construction. Really? Yeah. So that's why I think the U.S. government is just happy with the, the Japanese government pushing this plan. If the Japanese, I mean, U.S. government were to pay, I think they wouldn't be in this, allowing this to happen. Wow. So, so why do you think the Japanese government is allowing it to happen? Well, actually, the, you know, we have this uh, U.S.-Japanese uh, security treaty and uh, also the status of forces agreement between the Japanese, Japan and the U.S. that simply states uh, that that will just uh, stipulate that Japanese government provide basis for the U.S. military. Mm. So all the costs uh, will be paid by the Japanese government. I mean, it's like they could easily build a base just on the mainland, yeah, right? On mainland Japan. <laughs> yeah, that that was um, our argument. You know, as I said uh, before, I think like uh, Okinawa is just a zero point six percent of the entire mass of Japan, and then we have like seventy percent of US military bases concentrated in, uh, in Okinawa. And then they choose this Henoko Urabe with the 5,300 species, marine species, and 262 endangered species as the only site to build replacement facility for Denmark. It just it doesn't make sense. Ridiculous. But yeah, that, that's their assertion. This is the only possible option, but they don't have any explanation for that assertion, right? That's right. Yeah, no, no explanation. Like uh, that's the only like solution, or the only option. They just kept saying it. it's that's been their mantra. It's really depressing, you know, with the, all the uh, technologies or democratic institutions and uh, uh, smart people, experts, and they they just said the Hinoko Ora Bay is the only site, only option. <laughs> yeah, I think there must be something that we don't know. Uh, yeah. There's like a piece missing from this puzzle. Seems like, um, yeah. Uh, I think in a way, it's a military perspective. Hanako Urabe is very ideal <laughs> mm -hmm. area for the uh, like a air base uh, with the function of what's it called? Uh, docking, you know, ships. Mm -hmm. So that, because the Urabe is very deep, actually. So you don't need to do the, the stretch to get the, you know, the deep in the uh, the the bottom sea, so it's it's nice. I think it, it's uh, ideal for the the ships to come in and dock. So, right. and I think that could also be. I mean, for example, if you did eco tourism or something, you know, that would be an asset that would work in your favor as well, right? Like, yeah, I guess okay. the question is, do Okinawa's biggest assets, like, should they serve a military purpose or should they serve to benefit the people of Okinawa? Yeah, right. Yeah, just I mean, it's like it's it's so obvious. So, as you asked, I'm yeah, I, I'm often confused by the fact that Japanese government's really pushing this plan. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Another very interesting aspect is that um, Japanese government also wants to have or get the northern 
part of Okinawa Island, which Henoko Urabe is part of. Japanese government wants that part of Okinawa Islands to be designated as UNESCO World Natural Heritage Site. So on this, the uh, proposed uh, air base in Henoko Urabe will have at least like a 75 Ospreys aircrafts and um, some other aircrafts. And they'll fly over to this the Yambar Forest area, Northern Training Area, and they do training there, and they come back. You know, I mean, like, is that ideal place or really ideal place for U.S. military to have an exercise just right next to the World Heritage Site? It's just <laughs> doesn't make any sense. You know, <laughs> so it's very confusing. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. So one the one thing I wanted to. Um, talk to you about just get your opinion recently the un made this draft statement calling for the closure of french and u.s military bases in the pacific so that includes the military bases on guam um, and so the un said the eradication of colonialism had been one of its priorities and continued to be one of its priorities for this decade I regrets that measures to eliminate colonialism by 2010 had not been successful and it said this after saying, like, these bases need to be closed. And so I think that the major point that we can draw from this is that in the eyes of the UN, contemporary colonialism is the creation of these bases on Pacific islands where people don't want them, don't benefit from them. And in fact, their quality of life is degraded by the presence of these bases. Mm-hmm. So I know that Okinawa has always had sort of a tense relationship with mainland Japan. and of course, when you look at the percentage of military bases that are on Okinawa as opposed to mainland Japan, mm-hmm. it seems to imply that there's some of that colonial aspect going on in Okinawa as well, even if Okinawa is a prefecture of Japan. I was wondering, how do you feel? Do you feel that mainland Japan is sort of acting like a colonizer right now? <laughs> I think so, yes. Um, yeah, very much so, yeah. Um, see, Would you say is, that's uh, the opinion of a lot of people in Okinawa? I think it's a great question, and I'll tell you why I think it's a great question. In Japan, okay. our our educational system, you know, they tend not to use the, the you know colonialism when you describe the, the situation in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. So we we don't have actually the vocabulary to describe Okinawa as a colonial. I mean, for many people, they don't have a vocabulary to use the situations in Okinawa as a colonial situation. But mm-hmm. when you Compare those situations, what's happening in Okinawa, you know, where the laws are ignored, our democratic voices ignored, uh, democratic institutions not functioning. That's a really a colonial situation. So I think we are experiencing in Okinawa is a, it's a colonial situation. Uh, but the, again, the Japanese government don't want to use the term colonial. They don't want to admit and many people in mainland Japan, I don't think they want to know or they don't know what's really happening in Okinawa. Um, so they don't use the word colonial or colonialism to describe the Okinawa situation. But for me and for many others in Okinawa, this is a colonial situation. Well, I think it reflects, you know, it's a mirror image right across the Pacific with the Marianas. You know, we're, we're not called colonies, but <laughs> Guam is an unincorporated territory, you know, and the CNMI is freely associated with the U.S., but anytime a right that's laid out in the covenant comes into question, it's interpreted in U.S. federal court and U.S. federal judges tend to side with the U.S., you know? 
Yeah, that's so, right. So I think the colonizers are getting very smart, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're tricky. Yeah, it's um, tricky. They create yeah. illusions of being yeah. a real part of the, the superpower when, in fact, if they really want something, you don't want to give it to them. It's not going to be a democratic thing, you know, if they can avoid it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad that UN adopted the resolutions, you know, and then um, I hope it will, it will just benefit people in the Mariana Islands and the Guam and, you know, and then, Thank uh, yeah, and that's actually encouraging for the people of Okinawa too. It's just, yeah, you know, I think that there's a shared burden across the Pacific right now, you mm-hmm. know, of uh, military buildups and being part of the, you know, quote, Pacific theater. It's like, uh, these are real people's lives. You know, it's not, this is not a battleground. This is not a chessboard. These are people's homes. Yeah. So I just want to thank you so much for offering your perspective and your time. And I, I wish you and the people of Okinawa strength and luck in defending your island. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way for the people of the, the North, uh, Mariana, Northern Mariana, and Guam.